I am I am at my absolute happiest at about six fifteen, six thirty in the morning in late June, early July, cup of coffee in my hand, kind of out inspecting the troops, like walking through my garden. Yeah. And every now and then I'll I'll put on like the the original Broadway soundtrack to that and and I it does not take much to tear me up. I'm almost getting oh. emotional thinking about it now. Like that song. Now are we going? Now we're going. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, yo. What's up? Yeah. No, it was like, wow. It was I think like, that was me. Was it me? It was me. When I, I slurp tea, does it catch the... Slurp? I think so, but I feel like part of the whole thing is like you can hear the dogs rustling. Yeah. And it's like also kind of part of the term. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we kind of love it. What's, what's going on? Everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Dear Lander, purely Lan Diego podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Jordan. I'm Amara. Season three, baby. We have a very special one for you. You might know him. He might have taught you. He might have played music for you. Mr. Primrose. Oh my God. Paul Primrose. <laughs> Hi, you guys. got it out. <laughs> we were talking about the fact that Paul has been a teacher in Lander for how long? This is year 17. Year 17. And yeah. so... Jordan had him as a as a teacher, and how hard it is to get out of calling your teacher by Mister or Mrs. or Miss. Yeah. And I've known you as Paul only, so yeah, we're in we're in kind of a fun <laughs> dichotomy, if you will. Yeah, it's a yeah. So we should talk about how the three of us know each other, but that's yeah. that's very <laughs> much a a thing that I see. You know, I, I see my students struggle with that out on the street in the wild. Um, but then I also struggle with it at the high school. There's a there's a person there who uh, subs sometime who was my football coach. I never played, but I was a manager in Casper, and uh, I can't call him by his first name. Yeah, I, it's I can't way it. too hard. I, no, I st- no. I mean like, and where we've the, been the, out of high school a while, and yeah. it's like you just you can't. I'm 50 years old, and I can't I can't do it. Yeah, it's, I'm a grown man, and I cannot. I know. Yeah, when I was substitute teaching, and I'd go back to Wind River. To cover a class, like some of the teachers that I had, I was still calling them. Yeah. But the, they're like, you know, like we're kind of colleagues. And I'm like, yeah. sorry, can't, can't do it. So. Straight up and like, what are you? Yeah. I mean, that's like some shit that I can't. No. <laughs> For real. I can. The, we were just talking about this. And I can't. Like, Paul is. It's hard. It's a hard. I get like the poly P thing is, is fun. But if you don't appreciate that, then I will not. I, I will just do primrose. That's yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I actually. I, I actually squirm a little bit anytime, like, the hard E at the end of my first name or my last name. Like, someone, there are people in the world that call me Primmy, which... Oh, I, that feels weird. It does feel weird, and, and they're... <laughs> I will never they're, call you They're that. friends or they're acquaintances, and I, I just don't have the heart to tell them that I bloody hate it. Well, now okay. you have. Now I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, will not, I will not be calling you that. Yeah, no, I think of a, of a teacher like... Like, uh, like Leslie Simonson, who I had in junior high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I'll see out around and just like the interactions that I had with Leslie and how like commanding of a presence she was in the classroom and how much I respect her as a teacher. I like can't call her Leslie. I know. know? It's also funny too, because like when we're talking about like, we're like, oh, we have to have Paul Primrose on. Right. But like, so you can like say it when you're not talking directly to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause you need to like specify who it is. But then like once they're in the room, you're like, I'm Mr. Primrose. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't it? It is. But I, I think that that also speaks to, there's this really strange double life that I, I kind of have to live. Yeah, I feel like all right. teachers do. I, I, yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't think it's limited to teaching, but I, I think that, I don't know, it, it probably feels stronger in teaching. Like I have, you know, there's there's work me, which, you know, a lot of, at this point, it's probably 2,000 students that I've taught at this point in my life. Wow. Yeah. Paul, yeah, right? that's amazing. It's a lot. We, and we should also talk about kind of the, the interface between teaching that many students and being 50 years old and, and now like really uncomfortably forgetting names. Oh yeah. Because that's happening a lot more and it's, it's really kind of sad and it bugs me a lot, but not a damn thing I can do about it. Like that's just how my brain works now. Well, and also I feel like students have to understand, like you see a lot of students every year. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, Cause I had that experience with one of my favorite university of Montana professors 
and I hadn't seen her for like three years. But like at the time, she knew exactly who I was because I was in her class and I was talking to her a lot. And then like three years later, she had no idea who yeah. I was. And I was no, like, absolutely. oh, yeah, this is a realization that I'm having of like you literally probably see 800 students a year, if right. not more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course, you're not going to remember me three years later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I average in the neighborhood of, you know, anywhere from 100 to 120. That's crazy cool, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it is. Remind yeah. me what year you graduated. I, I was trying to place yeah. that earlier. 2012. 12. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun crowd. Like the the crowd from like... It was a good crowd. <laughs> ten, like 2010 through like 2012, 2013. Like that was a really fun time mm. in, in teaching and, and just a really fun group. Which also was for me because, fun fact, I also taught Jordan, but at leadership camp, which is how we met. Yeah. Right. And Which, that was a fun time. Like that specific, those specific yeah. years in there were really good. Yeah. Which coincidentally, I mean, Fluffy started in January of 2010. No, we started before that because I was already, I, we did it in the summer of 2009 Mm-mm. because it was right before I moved to Missoula. It was our first so. show. Yeah. No. Yep. Because I moved <laughs> no, to Missoula no. in 2009, the As, fall of 2009. I'm, I, I think I'm the closest person we have to a, a fluffy buffalo archivist, and I'm. What do you want to bet? You want to I bet? I will a, bet you. Bottle of wine. Okay. Okay. Or do you want port? I I do want port. But I like because I remember the reason that I stopped being in fluffy buffalo is because I moved to Missoula, and I went there. I don't think so. In the. No, you're right. Thank you very much. It was, but it wasn't January. I like it Whiskers was the Blake port. It's this port out of. Right. Yeah. Oh my god, it was 2010. Okay, well, I will buy you some port. Happy New Year's, Paul! <laughs> I'm like, no! But I'm thinking more of Joe and I started dating in yeah, 2009. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was thinking about that, too. Like, when did I, when did I first meet Joe? And by the can we can I um, do a timeout real quick? Yeah, don't do don't pause it, but I just yeah. need we to can, ask you guys something. Yeah, we can do whatever you want. Why on earth are you talking to me and not my wife? Like, she's way more interesting than me. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm gonna tell her you said that. I mean, I or love KP, and I know that she's super interesting. Like, but yeah, we would love to talk to her. About you, you should. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying, like, why? Well, obviously, how but... did I get the invite? Um, I think we just both know you and have had experiences okay. with you, and we also think you're really fucking cool. You're like one of the best teachers I've ever had. Yeah, and like you also know Amara and are tight with Amara. You're well loved in, in like the community, and you're fun. Know, you're, you're, I'll take that. Come on, Paul. All right. <laughs> um, I I was thinking though about. And the reason I asked about Catherine is because I remember that I moved here in like August of 06, right? Were you guys going to ask me about that? Am I supposed to talk no, about yeah, how I got to talk, Lander? Talk you about whatever you, you want. If you would like to. If you would yeah. like to. Yeah. Okay. We're, yeah. We're, we ebb and flow. My so. origin story? My yeah. Lander Tell origin story? Tell us your origin story. Okay. Yeah. So um, before I moved here though, I, I so my stepbrother who as of this May... He's basically my brother. I mean, we've been stepbrothers for like 40 years this May. That's awesome. Yeah. And he was at the DEQ here at the time. Um, so I had, I had quit Amazon and I was living in, in Laramie getting the teaching certificate. And I came up to visit Chad in Lander and just fell in love with the place. And this was like 04, 05. I, I busted up my back on the sledding hill, on the warming hut sledding hill. Oh, yeah. Everybody's. Like winter of 05. Someone's, yeah. Everybody's, everybody's busted their ass themselves on that hill. Uh, we, we were just talking about how somebody like broke a double, like coccyx or something. Well, double Joe's pelvic mom something. got, got hit. somebody, kids were sliding down the hill and slid right into her and she broke her shoulder. Hey. Yeah. It's two years ago. This is, we, I, we were up there and I watched this girl go off this jump and she like went freaking straight up in the air and landed on her butt and like her neck flew out and yeah. Tor and I were both like, Oh, yeah. oh no, that sounds horrible. Anyway, you busted your ass. I just remember, I, I remember, so I was an RA. <laughs> so I was an RA in Laramie, which is actually how Catherine and I met, which is also a great story. But What hall? Uh, I started in Orr. I was in Orr. Were you I've, really? I've also stayed I was there. Orr floor too. Yeah, Catherine and I met as, as Orr RAs. Sick. And then I was, and I started as like a summer... I wasn't an RA. I was uh, what they call it, a conference assistant. So I was, I was like the college kid who checked in all the basketball camps. I just remember wallowing in pain over Christmas break alone in my, my little RA dorm room because I had to stay in the dorms over Christmas break. I'd come up here to go sledding, drove back to Laramie with a busted, busted back, and I remember wallowing in pain in my dorm room. So anyway, I had been here in like 
0405 a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I interviewed in the spring of 06. I interviewed in, in Mountain View. I drove out to an interview there, and I had the interview in Lander wow, lined up. Mountain View. Mountain View, experience. yeah. Yeah, it was. And it was kind of a cool interview, and I, yeah. I don't remember who interviewed me, but um, I do remember at the end of it, the guy asked me, like, so what do you think? Like, what? give us a, an idea. Do you think you'll be coming out here? And I was like, well, I have an interview in Lander next week, so I need to see how that goes. And he, he basically gave up. He's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he knew, he knew I was he going knew to Lander. He knew this was what was up. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, totally. Well, Mountain totally. is super small. It is. It's kind of a cool little, cool little building, cool little town. Yeah, going yeah. there um, on jazz tour with Bob Husa, and I remember the stage being super tiny. Hmm. That's all I remember about yeah. Mountain View, really. Yeah. Oh six. Oh six. Okay. That August of oh six. So I, I finished up my summer RA gig that that summer. I think I was in Crane Hall by that point. Mm. Moved here oh six, and that fall, as I was learning how to be a teacher, and I, I was absolutely terrible that first year or two, just awful. But every every Friday afternoon was kind of my day to go down to the Lander Bar and play pool with this tall drink of water named Joe, who was just this really cool dude. I thought you were um, going to say Catherine, and I was like, yeah, she is a tall drink of water. No. Yeah. I was Joe hoping is you an extra say, tall drink of water. Yeah. I was hoping you would say the tall drink of water basketball player for Mountain View girls team <laughs> that whooped our butt every year. But anyways... That would have been a plot twist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I used to go down and play pool. You remember when they had a pool table oh, in I the Lander Bar? Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be kind of slow on a, I don't know how that worked. How, how would it be slow on a well, Friday afternoon? Well, you because would, you would get there before happy hour. <clears throat> yeah, probably. exactly so. Just mm-hmm. so. I'd get down there at like 4, 3.45 yeah. or 4 on a Friday. Yeah. Not much doing. And then Joe and I would play a, a couple of games of pool. I did not know this. Yeah. I distinctly remember that. I love that. And then we'd start, you know, we started talking and it turned out we both loved music and, and stuff kind of went from there. Um, and then Catherine came out that winter. She came out that Christmas. I was living in the, the Amoretti apartments right behind Anytime Fitness. I feel like we've all lived on Amoretti Street because we right. lived on Amoretti Street too. Right. There is, I, I have memories of kind of the old guard teachers. There, there was this generation of teachers at LVHS um, that were only there for, that generation kind of faded out in my first five or 10 years. But it sounds like a whole series of that crew had lived in the Amoretti apartments too. Yeah. Yeah. Amoretti's the street you start out on. Yeah. I sure. really wish I'd, I, what does it take? What do you guys think it takes to be considered an old timer? Like how long do you have to be in Lander before you're a Lander old timer these days? What's before, the, I think you gotta be really old. You have to be an old <laughs> person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, if we're talking about like like an old head, like a like yeah. an old timer, I yeah, feel yeah. like you gotta be you gotta be old. Yeah, and, but I mean like technically, but like a local is that yeah. a exactly local I mean. and old? Yeah, a local and old. Yeah, because I would definitely consider you a local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm not a lander old. But timer. like Joe is also a local, but I don't think of him as old. So he's not his folks. Yet. His folks are lander old timers though, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, like sure. Joe knows everything. Because he's been here right. for... Right, totally. Let me you ask know? you, how much time do you spend at the Oxbow? At the Oxbow? That's where the old timers... No, that's that's an important question. So <laughs> That is an important question. <laughs> um, I love a greasy spoon breakfast. Yeah. Oh, Alas, greasy spoon breakfast is not on the Mediterranean diet, mm-hmm. which is yeah. what I'm <laughs> trying to adhere to. Um, but the kids love Oxbow. I love taking oh. the boys to Oxbow. Mm. Can um, we also talk about... Paul was there the morning that communal pancake got its name. Oh, whoa! No way! Yeah, because yeah, it was a it was a fluffy. It was the morning after the space gig. Was it the morning after that show? Uh huh. That because I remember that's my second favorite show of all time. So bad, my legs hurt so bad because I was dipping too low all night long, and I could not walk the next yeah. morning. Yeah, I need to hear about the shows. That was a great show. <laughs> that was. That, I think my top two Fluffy Buffalo shows of all time are that one, very memorable. Yeah. And the last one. The very last one, Maverick. That's my favorite show. That show, I do not, I don't know why, but that show was incredible. It was so fun. My take on that show is that I, I finally, and it took the entire life of the band, but I finally beat Stage Fright that night. And then that band broke up like a week later. Yeah. Yes, and so I feel was, like that was also the first time that Liz was able to kind of let loose as well. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. such a cohesive thing, but we had just done the vagina monologues. Oh. And yeah, so a yeah, bunch yeah. of us, like, came over after the show, and so the just, like, the electric energy in that room. And I don't know what it is about the Maverick. Can we talk about that for a second? Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. that bar 
has some magic in it. I'm pretty yeah, no, sure. Absolutely. Like, 100%. I have had yes. some amazing times there. Like, singing karaoke. Like, just get that show. Like, anytime I've ended up there. Yeah. Fucking blast the is tight. what it is. The Maverick's The first tight. time Joe was like, yeah, we're playing a show at the Maverick. I thought he meant the gas station. And I was like, that's a good Let's go. Thing. I mean, that's, like, go. that's right up Fluffy <laughs> Buffalo's alley, though. Like, yeah. we, we used to get the strangest gigs. Yeah, remember that one that you <laughs> right, got yeah, play um, playing the hotel in Riverton? Oh, I remember the hotel in Riverton. Because that bouncy house blew away. <laughs> the bouncy house blew away. A, <laughs> a kid came over and messed with my amp. Yep. Like, just yeah. really, really strange stuff. Really strong, but that was that was what we did. Like that was part of our shtick. Was that yeah? Oh. We had really strange gigs. Oh, I miss Fluffy. One time, I well, actually, recently, Joe and I were talking about cover bands, and he was like, "Well, there's a difference between a good cover band and a shitty cover band." And I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" And he goes, "Well, Fluffy Buffalo was a cover band." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's right. Like that yeah. makes no. That's true. That is true." That's true. And it was a great cover. Joe and I had a great conversation, not a not a long one, but we had a great conversation about the role of covers in in a band. Yeah. And how I, I've actually done 180 degrees. Um, I used to think, you know, you want to use cover songs kind of the same way. Like, did you guys ever do mixtapes? Is that? Oh fuck yeah! Is that well? I at least before, did. I don't. I don't know if so you when ever you, when had you the say mixtape, I think we mean a, some different different shit. like in, like <laughs> where you had to record from the radio. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. onto a tape, or you make, make a make a playlist on a disc, yes. Jordan. Oh, yeah. Lord. yes, totally. I've done. Totally. Did you do Jordan, a tape do you, though? Do you ever make a playlist? Like, yes. For to yes. like to share to to give yeah. to someone else. Yes. Okay. Yes. Same idea. Like. Yeah. So I I think that I'm just fascinated by this. Like the the rhetorician in me is fascinated by by. What is it that we're trying to communicate when we create a playlist? Mm. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. song selection, band selection, order of songs, that's yeah. all communicating something. And I, I think that, I just think that there's something really interesting going on there as a communication device. But the same thing's happening with cover songs. Like bands create, right. they, they choose cover songs, they perform them in a certain way to communicate something, right? Like, I don't know, but like the, if you hear a band, you know, I saw a band uh, this summer, I think it was, oh, I know it was Land of Percents who kind of hinted at maybe doing a Grateful Dead cover, and I was like, I'll do it, please do it. And then they didn't, and it was like this tease, right? What band was mm. that? Because I was standing next to you. I'm pretty sure, because you were like, oh. It was, it was Future Birds. Oh, that's right. I think. Yeah, because then I was... Wasn't it? Yes. I think it was. I think it was. And so I used to think that, yeah, you pick the right covers for the right crowd, and people are going to go and do nuts. And I think when you do a cover, there's actually artistic risk there. I think that it's almost like you're, you're hugging it to death, right? Mm. Um, if you're going to try to nail it note for note, you're going to get it wrong and you're going to disappoint people. If you try to reinterpret it, you're going to disappoint people. I, I think reinterpretations are more interesting covers, which is why I think, you know, when Low Water does... Um, 16 tons. Oh. No. <laughs> oh, Talking Heads. No. No. Uh, I mean, yes, but no. I'm trying to think what some of their other covers uh, are. Crazy. Oh! By, by Nerald Barkley? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they word. Bluegrass cover no, that. what? Yeah. So I had no idea. And it's so good. And it's not like the KBCO bluegrass. Catherine and I have this yeah. conversation about, like, there's there's bluegrass that's, like, tailored for, like, the the super lefty KBCO listener. Sure. You know, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. like, super polished bluegrass. Yeah. Which makes me want to puke. Like, I, sure. I just hate that stuff. But yeah. low water is just a little grittier and a little yeah. more real. I, I appreciate that about low yeah. water, you know? I think that's why they're so successful. I agree. Because they're not trying to be anything that they're not. That and, and Joe's originals, like, they're all great songwriters, right? But Joe, yeah. like, so Joe just knows how to write, write a song. Right. He, he boy, just, how do he does he? Really I mean, he I, just does. I feel like we have, it's fun to be in a band with you and with Joe in that aspect because he does write some really awesome stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. to, like, watch it grow. Like, he's really good at writing the thing and then allowing us yeah. to come in and, and make it our part. Yeah, right. Even truly. though like he's literally writing my baseline, right? Like he's still allowing me to make it my own to an extent. Do we need to edit out that bit where I just called KBCO no. lefty stuff? No. We can let that ride? Yeah. Okay. We can let oh, yeah. whatever you want. That wasn't meant as judgmental, that's just meant as descriptive. Uh, well yeah. Yeah. What else do you want us to know about <laughs> your lander life? Because we talked we were talking about the Oxbow mm. and the mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you asked how how long do you have to be here before you're an old timer? I did ask that. That's how we went down this road. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm I'm not a lander old timer. There's also the question of like who cares? Yeah. Mm. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. does that matter? For sure. Yeah. We all know this is a special place. 
Like yeah. we don't we don't need to establish lander cred, I don't think, do we? Sure. No. No. Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. And unless well, and, and, and oh by the way, let's not gatekeep <laughs> like let's not go out and tell people and gatekeep who can or can't move here. Yeah. Straight up. We've yeah. actually had this Straight conversation up. a lot. Like let's not let's not maybe be jerks about that. That people yeah. get to move here. Yeah. I mean, we, I don't we can allow that. specifically want somebody to move here and sell everything just to make okay, money. Okay, well, okay, so that's my that. I absolutely think that there there's like this pimping, there's there's this yeah, the monetization pimping. of, of I don't Lander. Want the pimping of Lander. Like we all yes. know Lander special. Let's not pimp out Lander. Yeah, I don't want yeah. that. No. No. But do I want Lander to grow and be it has to and be better. Interesting, got, right? Absolutely. Like Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like one of the the hardest things about having Knowles take such a nosedive during totally. the pandemic absolutely. is yeah. we lost a lot of that that culture. Yeah. Of people from all over the world coming in and out of here. Not um, to mention like puffy coat and duct tape sales. Yeah. Sorry, duct tape. <laughs> Sorry. That was- you know what's funny is Brian had a, had a Patagonia that he had for so long, and he finally sent it in. They were like, listen, we are going to replace this, but maybe next time, how about you don't do this? Because he had just had it for so long. Duct taped it. But yeah. That, that think, was obnoxious. I'm, I'm so sorry. No, 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 I no, love no. no, we all do. Um, but I think the correct term that I think we will just now use, or at least I will, is the pimping of Lander. Yeah. Like, I do not want that. Yeah, the monetizing of of how special this place is, there's something profoundly repugnant about that. Yeah. Like, I'm fine with people being transient and coming in and out of here, but just to, like, buy a place to just have it and it sits empty for... Yeah. Great. For 10 months out of the year. Like, I don't love that. Which the the implications of that lead to other things. Yeah. And I think it's... Yeah. And I think, like, the... You're right. Like, who... Yeah, who cares? And... Especially, like, I, I think the only sort of I'll bring up that I, like, have, like, generations here because I'm proud of it and it means uh, totally. a lot yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if yeah, it's, yeah. like, if it's, like, a um, a thing that's, like, pretentious or I'm trying to uh, one-up somebody because of it, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And then that's, yeah, like... That's- Dumb that's shit. like some dumb shit yeah for I real totally and and uh yeah i mean yeah like the pretentious because i feel like people do do that especially like in mountain towns especially like i've how long have you been here right and that's not right, right. that's not chill no no right i remember somebody asked joe that once because we didn't look like we were from lander <laughs> when was this? <laughs> this was like four years ago at a cornhole tournament down mm. at uh whiskey cuts and somebody like approached him at the bar and was like sizing him up and asking like, "Oh, where long you been here? You're not from here." And he's like, "He's like, well, my wife was born here." And I'm like, "Hello," <laughs> and he was like, "I've been here for forty years." And and the transient nature, Lander. I mean, there's something really f- interesting about that, and also kind of personally disconcerting. Like, so we went to Gannett Grill for dinner last night. You knew nobody. Yeah, I mean, I I walked into the bar and like couple of familiar faces you know every time i walk into lander bar every time i go to the down to the patio in the summertime and it's not the tourists it's like there there are people there i don't know some people there that i do know Mm -hmm. but it's not like every time i go in there and even in the winter i go in there and someone i don't know which i think is really strange and or it just says more that like i don't get out enough which is absolutely well and i also feel like you and I specifically don't have the ties to Knowles that we did. Right. Because we were both meeting a ton of Knowles people. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we had people who were who were working there. But since then, people have retired. People have moved. Like, I just, I don't personally have the connection. I'm like, oh, who are you? Like, I just don't know. And we're old. So anyway, yeah, and we're old. Let's not discount that. <laughs> yeah. I have, a, I have a couple things in mind that I would like to ask and I would like to talk about. I guess first... So you interview in Mountain View, and that dude, like, knows that you're going to head to Lander. So you head to Lander, and then you do the interview? Yeah. And how does it go? Did you know immediately this is, like, what's up? Um, Pretty much. Like, I I had, you know, I had been here, so I I loved it. Um, I I thought it was a cool town. I didn't know what teaching here would be like or anything like that. Yeah. Um, True story about the interview. um, An absolute teaching legend, English teacher legend, who at that time was no longer teaching English. She was an IF. Um, Christine Rogers was in the interview committee. She wound up 
doing PH, doing her PhD and doing amazing stuff up in Montana. Cool. Um, she was in that interview, and then the principal at the time was in the interview, and, and I remember, I didn't know that there were two English jobs available. I, I just was assuming that there was only one. And the guy, the principal asked me, um, you know, we think we'd want to offer you the job, but you would have to take yearbook in order to get it, and would you be willing to do that? And in, in kind of English teacher circles, you know, you know, especially in those days, like yearbook was the job you yeah. did not want. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's just kind of a pain in the ass. So the principal... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. Primrose is cussing on our podcast. Oh, no! <laughs> so, so the principal... Um, so in my head, he asked me that question. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, God, no. Anything but yearbook. Anything, anything, anything but yearbook. But out loud, I say, I'd love to do Please. <laughs> Give me a yearbook. Yes, give me the job. Um, so I got the job, and then um, and there were two two English jobs. Another guy came on with me that that fall. And then in the seventeen years I've been there, the department has turned over twice and going on three times. We're we're close to going on three complete staffing changes since mm. I've been there, which has been really interesting. You know the the English department now is just a bunch of crazy geniuses, and and I love them. And I don't know, I, I feel like the English department there has always been pretty strong. I, I think early on, yeah. uh, maybe eh, it could have been stronger early, but then as I figured out what I was doing and as kind of others came along too, I, I think we got really, really good. But I, I taught with some absolute legends in those first couple of years, guys like Charlie Patton and Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, Deidre Meyer. Deidre Meyer. Deidre Meyer is a legend. She is a legend. She is still kicking. What makes, what makes still her a legend? Kicking. Deidre Meyer, as a high school teacher, I think... I took classes with her and things that she did and wanted us to do and expected of us in class. I got to college and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I completely see why you did it. And she also, like, absolutely took no shit and knew how to run. Yeah. She knew how to run. Like, a classroom. And even, like, I mean, that extends a classroom. Because she was, she's an administrator. Yeah. Isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She's doing curriculum stuff. Yeah. She's. That's awesome. Yeah, D D was an absolute stud. I will say that department meetings there there was a the English department there for a while. Um, I'm not going to use names here, but but I'll say that D was part of it. But like department meetings were absolute riotously funny, like oh, like laughing so hard that I couldn't breathe. Funny, and I miss that a lot. We still have a great department, and we're still able to crack up. But I I don't laugh in in meetings like I used to laugh with with that crew. Yeah, and that was right about the time that you were there. the The group that was there, um, it was it was a really great time. I, I miss some of those folks a lot. My classroom management's always been pretty good. I, I you know, maybe I've been too loosey goosey sometimes, but early on, I, I think I had a handle on classroom management. But I absolutely learned some valuable lessons early on too. Like you, you never, you don't make a threat that you can't follow up. And when I say threat, I don't mean anything weird or, or bullying. I just mean like you don't tell someone that there's going to be a consequence and then if they do the thing you there's don't no consequence. there's no consequence yes. you don't do that right yeah. and and that's one of the most important things i do as a parent too now uh, well in instructionally i just kind of got my brain around how to teach writing in ways that matter and and ways to deal with grammar in ways that actually mean something it's not just rote memorization i learned early on that writing paragraph upon paragraph of feedback on a paper isn't really the way to go that conversations about writing are, are way more useful, which is kind of funny because I just spent three hours or actually just four and a half in the, in the school grading papers that I had signed back in December and mm. so writing comments on papers today. But generally speaking, when possible, I think it's more helpful to have a conversation with a student about their writing than it is to write paragraphs upon paragraphs because they're yeah. just going to look at the score often, I won't say always, but often just maybe glance at the paragraph of feedback but not really take it to heart. I think that there are really more useful ways to have students consider the importance of writing in their lives and how to improve their own writing. So I learned that fairly early on. I learned all kinds of things about, I won't say professional lines. Like I, I've always been pretty good about boundaries. Not pretty good. I've been really good about boundaries. Yeah. You know, like that's just obvious to me. Like well, yeah. there, there are boundaries here and we're not going to cross them. Like ever express political or religious beliefs. Mm. Like I just, it's not my job, not 
it's not appropriate for me to do that. I'm not going to. But in, you know, in 17 years and 2,000 kids, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to hurt some feelings. Um, it's absolutely a statistical guarantee that, that I have not been the great teacher, like the best teacher for some students. And I, I don't know what that number is. I hope it's not a high number. I like to think I'm still pretty good at what I do and that my overall track record is, is one of being a good teacher. But you won't have to look too far if you're looking for students that weren't super impressed with me as a teacher. I'm like, it's out there, right? I will say, you know, it, at year 17 that I'm, I'm starting to lose my edge a little bit. And I, I have a couple of, I'll call them like warning signs, like dashboard lights. that sure. if, if they start blinking, that I, I need to reevaluate what I'm doing. And some of those lights have blinked a little more frequently lately. Mm, and, and that could be a function of age. It could be a function of... I don't know, kind of generational distance now between sure. the students. You know, I came to teaching pretty late because it was a second career for me. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think it will be kind of the typical teenage disposition towards the world that, that gets me out of teaching. I think I think the teenage years are really interesting and fun and energetic yeah. and strange oh, and, and just really such a unique experience. And it's just kind of fun to be a part of that. And it's fun to in a small way, be a resource for students to get through those years. Because mine were yeah. awful, right? My high school experience wasn't great. And my teenage years weren't great. And I, we don't need to go in the weeds on that. It's just that I, I think that teenagers really need kind of that wisdom, right? And, and it's just great when I can be a small part of that. Yeah. That said, so it, it won't be working with teens that gets me out of, out of teaching. It, if it's anything, it's going to be the phones. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah, Dang, I can't I see. You know, we're we're given plenty of latitude to have the rules that we need to have in place uh-huh. to to be effective teachers with technology in the classroom. Like our our admin team is really clear about that that we we can set some rules. But I am telling you that I'm seeing generational screen addiction. Like it's happening. Oh, yeah. And I can't compete with TikTok and I can't be expected to compete with TikTok and Snapchat or as I wittily say to to my students, like snap, talk or tick chat. Tick chat. Tick chat. I I can't compete with that, and I shouldn't be expected to compete with that. I'm I'm really starting to tire of that fight. Yeah. Really starting to wear on me, and and also it's year seventeen, right? Like yeah. I've been doing this a while. I'm I'm. I think I'm still pretty good at teaching students how to write a good paragraph. I think I'm still pretty good at walking students through some difficult or uncomfortable questions that a text might raise. Yeah. Mm, but some of those dash lights flash more often now. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is I feel like there is a huge conversation surrounding addiction. Yeah. To social media specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, that it, it, like, because of the way it affects your brain, which is like that, um, you're constantly looking for updates, which is uh, triggering that response. So you're consistently going back to it. And it's super interesting to to have been a part of the generation that started it, yeah. right? Because yep. like MySpace, yep. AOL, all of that stuff <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was right when I was pre-teen teen. Yeah. And so all of that stuff, I've grown up with it to a point where also growing up in Wyoming, I think was helpful because we didn't have the phone service we have now. You didn't have the same fast internet, right? So like... If you went camping for a week, there was nothing you could do about that. Right. You just didn't have communication with outside of that, right? Straight up, yeah. And so I think I grew up in a sweet spot of being able to let it go. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, now I feel like teenagers don't have that. Because you can really go anywhere at this point and have yeah. service at some point. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to be the, the cranky. Well, no, but I mean. The cranky old coot who's complaining about yeah teenage behavior like <laughs> back in my day i mean i just did i was like i grew up with no service yeah no i, I, uh, I think that makes sense though yeah i just it, the the phones might just do it for me yeah and the thing is you know i you know i'm wrapping up my master's program i finished that in may and that and that's with the intent i think that there are some exciting things that we might do at the high school with that and and also like if in you know if a job ever opened up at a certain local community college, would I be interested? Yeah, I'm sure yeah, I'd, be inter- I'd be interested. But I, I guess what I'm getting at is the, the phone behavior, like that's not limited to my freshmen. It's not limited to my seniors. Yeah. And it's not going to be limited to college freshmen either. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like just because, I don't know, the, the thing I want to avoid pretty carefully is assuming that some teaching a different grade level 
that, that somehow that would magically fix yeah. the phones, and it's it's not. It's it's a wider problem than that, and I I just kind of don't have the the patience to yeah. fight that problem anymore. So that's all what's I have your, to say about um, that. What's your favorite book to teach? Ooh, because I remember subbing for you once. Mm. Yeah. And you were teaching Crime and Punishment. Yeah, I was going to say, Crime and Punishment is up there. We and didn't... I remember reading it at your desk. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, this is fun. Because I yeah, hadn't read it before. It's really fun. So then I bought it so I could read it. Yeah. Did you finish it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I have it still. Do you want me to spoil it for you? Yeah, because I probably won't remember. Really? It. No, don't spoil it Okay. Okay. If you're gonna be that passionate <laughs> about it, no, that's fine. I will finish it for you. There's, I'm the worst. Okay. It's fine. He confesses at the end. Oh, <laughs> great! <laughs> but then that also will relieve some of my anxiety. Yeah, yeah. So teaching that book's a lot of fun. We actually, it, it was an optional text this year for part of our book club's group in AP, but uh, we didn't. Te- we're not teaching it as a as an assigned text in AP this year. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you have a book club. Y- yeah, that's that kind of our approach like? to teaching novels. In, in some of our classes these days. We just give them a menu of, of choices and say, four or five of you are going to pick the same one, and off you go. Cool. It is cool. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of awesome. It is, yeah. and, it, and it gives them some agency in terms of what they're going to read. And, yeah. you know, hopefully... And also you can do it with your friends if you yep, wanted. Exactly. You yep. know? Yep. Um, but like, to the... Oh, great. yeah. That's to great. the question of like, my favorite book to teach. But believe it or not, and... This is a really problematic text, but that is kind of what makes it fun, but it's English teacher fun. I don't yeah. know that it's what normal people would consider fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's a super problematic text, um, but Heart of Darkness is a really interesting book to teach. Did, did we do mm. Heart of Darkness? No. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. I love teaching Hamlet. I think yeah. that that's a really fun one. It's super nuanced, and we just kind of scratched the surface, even, even with my AP students. Like, we... We don't really go into the weeds as we could with that book, but other fun ones to teach. I remember Feed. <laughs> I forgot that I Ooh, tell that me about this. That. Speaking of screen addiction. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, that's such a great book. So when I was getting my teaching certificate in Laramie, I took a young adult lit class with Leslie Rush, who is one of my all-time favorite people. She's like this legendary instructor. I don't even know if she teaches anymore. I don't even know if she's still at UW, but um, legendary and in that class, we read this book called Feed, which came out in like '03. So it was kind of on the on the yeah. cutting edge of like where's social media going. And it is an absolute creeper of a book. And it it when you set it down, you're just kind of profoundly then. disturbed by the ideas going on with with it. Young okay, adult. Now lit. tell me, tell me as a as a student. Yeah, let's hear how it. How you felt about reading this book? Um, and doing it with Paul. This good, is fun. That's a good question. There's like. Bits and pieces of, I remember, like, in Meyer's class, we read The Things They Carried. And I don't exactly remember, like, what happened, but I remember, like, pieces that were the most um, impactful. And the end of Feed is, and correct me if I'm wrong, the end of Feed is, like, the person is dying and it's, there are lights flashing across... Isn't feed essentially like you you are getting an implant in mm-hmm. your yep. brain yep. with and the end of it this person is dying and there's like sale f- sale everything must go like flashing and that's how the book That's exactly how the book ends. Fucking ends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? It it is just a great book and I th- I think I recommended it to a book club here in Lander like a, an adult book club here in Lander this this had to be like 10 or 12 years ago now. I I think they read it and I my impression, I don't know why I have this impression, but my impression is, like, the reaction was, why in the hell did we read this? Like, this is a weird book. With high school students, I think it tends to resonate a little bit more. But it's, it's really a fun book. You'll get through it in literally two days, day or two, one night. Oh, I'm so excited. I can get you a copy. I, I have okay. a couple of copies at home. Yeah. Feed was crazy. Feed by M.T. Anderson. Feed, and then we did, um, did we do To Kill a Mockingbird in your class? or was that... uh, Not in mine, but okay. almost certainly you did Mockingbird. I do too, I do too, and and we're doing it again this year with with our ninth graders. It was it's by far my favorite book that I did mm-hmm. in high school. Yeah, you know I read that as a, and I still think about it. I do too. I do too. There for a while, I read it every single every single every single summer. I read it in ninth grade in nineteen eighty seven in CY Junior High School in Casper. Yeah. You know, and and 
CY. CY, and it was the old school, like the the spaceship pod CY behind Whoa. Smith's. That that Smith's Food and Drug. When you're coming yeah. in on you know, Smith's on the right hand side, so that was my first job. I bagged groceries at Smith's, 1988. Then I worked mm. the video counter. Ooh, back when we rented video. Bougie. Yeah. I went, I went from the red apron to the brown apron at Smith's. Yeah, you I went did. from the, the grocery side to the non foods side, is what we called it. Dang. There's different colors of aprons there for that? For, at Smith's Food and Drug, there was. <gasps> That's sick. That's crazy. Is that like a black belt kind of? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. Okay, I have a question. Yes. One of the things that you would do in your classroom that stuck with me the most and that I remember the most and that I know other students do too, the last five minutes of every week, yeah, usually on a Friday, yeah, a complete like, what questions do you have about life? Truth about life after high school. <gasps> what do you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Paul. Where did you come up with that? And I guess why and what are some of the most interesting, profound questions yeah. that you've gotten. Yeah, no, that's a great one. I have no idea where I came up with that. I, I don't know how long I had been doing it by the time you experienced it. I get the feeling I didn't start doing it until I taught seniors, which was my third year of teaching. So fall of 08. I still do it occasionally. I'll say that the, what, what happens when I announce that at the end of class yeah. with, with five minutes to go, I'll say, hey, let's do truth about life after high school. Can you guys guess what immediately happens? Uh, oh, I see. Oh, okay. really? Yeah. They don't want to People know. check out. They huh? just kind of check out and go to their phones. Often. Not everybody, but... A, Maybe a, you should start your own series on TikTok. Seniors, at least, like freshmen, that, that question doesn't land with them at all. Like, they're still what I call underwater. Yeah. Like, my, my whole thing is that somewhere around junior year, high school students flip the kayak, right? They, they come up right, they see the world they're in, they see the river they're going down, and they need to start making some choices about where they're going on the river. But until then, they're just kind of underwater and they don't even know they're wet. And then, so freshmen, like, I ask them the truth about life after high school, and they're like, wait, like, high school ends? What? Like, they, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but with seniors, yeah, you know, they do want to know, and they, they do have really cool questions. And often, those questions kind of, I can't answer those questions for them because they're the questions that, they, they're the only person that can answer that question. And what's more, chances are that they're the kinds of questions that they have to go out and answer for themselves and maybe get wrong. So like, in other words, they might ask like, should I go to college or should I take a gap here? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. I can tell you what my experience was. <laughs> like a magic know? eight ball or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, you know, my gap year was after, after two years at Casper College, my, my gap year was working night crew at Walmart to mm -hmm. figure out what I wanted to do with, with college. And, yeah. and as it turns out, working night crew at Walmart gave me a little motivation to, to go to college. But what, I, what I'm real careful to tell seniors, and I, I absolutely believe this, is that there's no, there's no one single right path to future happy, successful person. Future happy success is going to take a lot of detours and, and some decisions are going to be wrong and you're going to have to start over and you might have to transfer schools. You might not go to college for 10 years. You might be a 30-year-old freshman getting a, some sort of welding certificate or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But what I want to emphasize is that there, none of these questions that they're facing at age 17, none of them are life or death. And that what really matters is that they're pursuing those things which just kind of feel right to them knowing that at some point in their lives they're, they're going to have to get a job and they're going to have to support themselves. So they have to kind of make some big kid decisions around that. But again, they're allowed to make some mistakes around those decisions. Like they have to make some mistakes around those decisions. Yeah. So the truth about life after high school, it's, it's a fascinating conversation to have. Um, every now and then, you know, I, I reserve the right. I mean, one of my things is that I won't lie to students. Like I just make it a habit. I'm not going to lie to students. Uh -huh. But every now and then they'll ask something that I'm not going to answer. Like, again, it's just one of those boundary things. It's, it's inappropriate. Like, sure. Pretty much did you party in college? Like, yeah, yeah, I attended parties in college, but we're not going to talk about that. Sure. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah that, that, that's a fun way to spend five minutes. It, it doesn't land like it used to. Okay. Other thing. Yeah. You speak at commencement, like, like every year. I did. Like every other year. I, I think I've done it. <laughs> I think I've done it four years. Word. Yeah. And it's, it's been a couple of nights. It's been four or five now since I have. Which means the class selects you yeah. to speak at commencement. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul. So, like, I'm going to gas brother. you up a little bit. Like, I hope you know 
how much you are appreciated oh. by students. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Not, not just by our class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously yeah, by yeah. our class. Yeah. But yeah. I think that speaks volumes, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, you, you know, I, my thing is that I don't, this is going to sound kind of strange, but I, I just plain don't care about being anyone's favorite teacher. Like, I, I just don't care. It's, it's cool to be someone's favorite teacher. It's, it's cool to mean that much to someone, but it's not what I set out to do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care about being anyone's favorite. I care about being someone's most effective teacher. I, I care that they, they're walking out of my room having learned something. That's actually one of those dashboard lights that has been flashing lately is sure. like, am I as effective as I used to be? And I, I don't know. I don't know. So it's, it's awesome to have that. It, it's awesome to hear that, right? And it's awesome to be selected for that. It's, and it's also awesome to see other teachers selected for that because totally. you know that they're doing great work, right? And I don't, I don't teach as many seniors as I used to. Like these days, it's about half of my teaching load. Um, and in the old days, it was all of my teaching load. Um, and that's cool. Like that's, you know, teaching freshmen keeps me on my toes. Like I gotta, yeah. I, have to, I have to be ready to go with freshmen. <laughs> <laughs> that's so accurate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you can't fight that energy. You got to learn how to surf that fourteen-year-old energy. You can't yeah, fight you that fourteen-year-old energy. You have to lean into it. You got to lean into it. You know. Yeah. And it's exhausting. So, fun fact yeah. is that I met Fallon, who is Jordan, who is Tori, his fiance. Yeah, yeah. I met her as a freshman. Really? Yeah, because I was long-term subbing her freshman English class. Right. And she blew me away. Yeah. She was one of the freshmen that I was like, and you, like mm. you are going to do amazing, right. amazing things because she had to write this love letter because we were getting ready to do Romeo and Juliet. And part of what they had to do was write a love letter and then they had to read it out loud, which is like, can I just say that's a fucking horrible assignment? Like, uh. right to, like to like write a love letter, but then have to like, uh. Say it in front of your freshman peers. And have to yeah. also be in, high, yeah, I, in high school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. In all fairness, I was not going to make them do that as the sub <laughs> yeah. until my fellow teacher was like, no, you have to. It's part of the standard. And I was like, ah. Oh. And so I had to apologize to them all because I was like, I'm sorry. You have to do this. And I, I understand this is super uncomfortable. But I remember Fallon getting up and saying hers. And I was fucking blown away. Like yeah. she could have... Mm-hmm. been a writer right then yeah like she could have published a book right then and i would have bought it yeah. i would have been like i will buy a million copies of this yeah because she was that incredible and so it is fun to like meet someone so young yes and be like you're insane no absolutely and then see them grow up i actually encountered it's, that's really cool i i read some of those papers today i, I have oh, some freshmen that are like that I'm, it's I'm not just gonna, the best i'm not gonna say numbers or gender like I just, I have some freshmen. I, yeah. I read some papers today. I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Yeah. Like, this anyway, is love you, Fallon. <laughs> brilliant. Fowl's, Fowl's where, awesome. Where are we at? We love Fowl. What else? Um, tell us about your music career. Yeah. My music career. Yeah, because when did you get, when did you get into music? And yeah. Tell us all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've always loved it. In the pre-divorce years, and actually even after the divorce, I was living with my mom and my sister. My sister's three years older than me. And she, um. She was big into show tunes on the piano. So I'm actually, I have a pretty good repertoire of show tunes in my head. You're um, just telling me this now? Yeah, I thought we, I thought we had this conversation. No! Yeah. You've never said this to me. Yeah. Oh, um, you've been holding out on me. Yeah. What's your favorite show tune? <sighs> <laughs> you just opened up that. There, there's this family lore. That, um, one of the stories from my mom's life is that her earliest memory is holding her, I think it must have been her grandma's hand, um, on the farm in central Illinois, walking down the road to get the mail, and her grandma was singing, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. I was literally just going to be like, it was Oh, What a Beautiful yeah. Morning, wasn't yeah. it? Oklahoma. I, I would go out, I am, I am at my absolute happiest at about 6.15, 6.30 in the morning in late June, early July, cup of coffee in my hand, kind of out inspecting the troops, like walking through my garden. Yeah. And every now and then I'll, I'll put on like the the original Broadway soundtrack to that. And, and I, it does not take much to tear me up. I'm almost getting emotional thinking about it now. Like that song and that guy's voice. I can't remember who the lead is on that, but so anyway, show tunes early on. musical. Yeah. Dang. Because I, I saw it at the Jackson Hole Playhouse 
and it blew me away. And wow. so when they did it at CWC, that was the first one I ever auditioned for. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Also, have you seen Hugh Jackman do it? No. Oh, my God. Well, guess I'm going down a YouTube <laughs> rabbit hole tonight. Um, it's insane. Yeah. He's the only actor to have ever done the ballet sequence himself. Really? Yeah, because he's insane. Wow. I know. He would have been that fresh one that you look at, and you're like, and you. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Okay. <laughs> So the, my, my mom's side, like my, my maternal granddad played, I think, clarinet, same, same farm, like he wound up, but he wound up as like a metallurgical engineer. But anyway, so musical family on my mom's side. My dad has always loved radio. So my dad, when we were living in Casper, he used to like do part-time radio work at K2. Um, and I would, and I've always loved oldies and I've especially always loved old soul. So that idea is going to come back into play here in a minute. Mm. Um, and I just always loved old soul and, and eventually funk, right? Um, Christmas of my junior year, I asked for a keyboard for Christmas. I didn't want a keyboard. I wanted a guitar. I asked for a keyboard because I knew that, you know, no one's going to buy me a guitar, but they might buy me a keyboard, right? Yeah. But get this, my mom got that Christmas list, and by this time I was living with my dad and stepmom, no big deal there, it's just that so, somehow my mom knew that I didn't want a keyboard and she got me a guitar instead. <gasps> mom! And I know, right? Whoa. And that was it. it. That was it. Um, one would think that after 40 years, or not 40, but however many years I've been playing guitar, 35, that I'd be better than I am, but I, I do kind of wish I had taken lessons, so take lessons, kids. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but I will also say that playing by ear, there, there have been, I don't know, like uh, 10 moments in my life where something absolutely magical has happened on, yeah. on guitar just by learning by ear. So anyway, started playing guitar. Um, my first band, I was in a ska band at the University of Illinois. Ew. Yeah, you were. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. I love ska. Yeah. We, we played an open mic at the University of Illinois. Where was that? And we played an open mic, and the next day I, I moved, to, I graduated and moved to Phoenix the next day. So that was the end of my... Ska career. That was the end of my ska career. <laughs> what was the name of the ska band? Uh, you're going to love this. Yes. You ready for this? Nipple. Joe's <laughs> <laughs> band! Goofy. No. Uh, Scully Baba and the 40-ounce horns. That's a That's great so ska band name. Right? Yeah. We weren't a good band. What year we had a good that? band. Uh, 96. Yeah, that would have been Ska Prime. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ska Prime. <laughs> also a great name Ska for Ska Prime. Ska Prime and yeah. the Pimping of Lander. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guess we have our next project. So anyway, while, but I should say while I was in Champaign, that was, that was really where I got the funk bug because, I mean, we'd get these bands coming down from Chicago oh, God, and that were yeah. just out of control. And, you know... Funk is to Chicago, kind of what punk is to Seattle, and, and I wound up in Seattle and caught some great punk and kind of caught a little bit of a punk bug there, too. But all along, kind of the old soul, and even kind of the, how do I put this, kind of the, the cosmic country funk? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. like, there's this really cool overlap, like Dr. Hook, like those guys yeah. are hilarious for one thing, but they're also great musicians. And all along, you know, I, I'm plinking away, banging away at, at open D chords, just kind of wishing for the day that I could join a band. Um, then I moved to Lander, and uh, I don't think I'm missing any anything there. Yeah, caught some great music in Seattle. Obviously, Phoenix was an absolute music hell, but <laughs> the the music there is is what my my buddy called bland sand. Like, imagine like great name for a band. Yeah, bland sand. Imagine like Phoenix is a really strange city. Strange, strange, strange city. Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah, I have. I have yeah. not been there. I have family in Phoenix. I do not... You do not fuck with Phoenix. When I, when I lived in Austin, I would pretty continuously talk shit on Phoenix. Yeah. Mostly just because yeah. I was like, what the fuck, dude? It's so hot. And you... you Like, I want grass. Everything in my yeah. front yard can kill me. And yeah. I like... Which is, has its own beauty, but that's beside the point. Yes, Phoenix is a hard hang for me. Strange place to exist. Yeah. Strange place. Bland sand. Bland sand music. Anyway, wound up in Seattle, caught some live music there, and I, all along, I'm thinking, man, I, I'd love to be in a band. I just didn't really have the wherewithal to, to get involved in a band, and I didn't have the right equipment for it, because you need a pretty good amp for that. Fast forward to 2010, or late 2009, Amara, I think, I think the email went out in 2009. <laughs> Yay! I'll still buy you port, though. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and FICA sends that email to, to Lander Talk, and I, this email comes through, right? And it's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, 
every yutz who has ever strummed an open D chord on a guitar in Lander is going to want to be in this band. So I'm like, I'm not going to, I mean, I'll, I'll show up or I'll reply. And, and Fika and I had somehow, I, I think we had met through soccer at LVHS by that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. So I showed up and I immediately realized because I think John showed up at that first meeting. Yes. And Joe and I were there. Joe and 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 I realized right away that like I probably wasn't gonna fit into that band playing guitar. I just didn't have the chops. I didn't have the equipment necessarily. So I went out and bought this really nice Nord keyboard specifically to bring that sound and, and to f- fit that role in this band that was forming. And then eventually, you know, I, I played a little guitar and fluffy and, and I don't know, I'm I'm way more comfortable on guitar. Yeah. Um, You're great on the keys, though. Thank you. It's easy to be great on keys. And also, if there was an instrument that will always remind me of you, it is a Nord keyboard. I know. Yeah, right? Like those gorgeous <laughs> I see him red... and I'm like, oh, Paul. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks, Nord, for making me sound great. <laughs> you are great. I, it's... Take your props. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that that band forms, and early on, you know, I think we were a little a little clunky. Actually, I think we were clunky pretty much the entire time. Uh, I don't think so. But we played with so much volume and so much enthusiasm that it was. That I, I think care. that once you had the rendition, that was like 2011. Yeah. Fluffy Buffalo, you guys yeah. were tight. Yeah. And maybe like when did Will move back here? Was it 2000? That's I think such it a was. great question. Because I think because he had just moved back from Nashville, and I remember yeah. calling him and be like, yeah. "They need a sax player." Yeah. That rendition continuing forward, you guys yeah. were tight. It was not a. Yeah, I you think, were not clunky. We. Were I remember clunky, playing but it's Brewfest. I think it was Brewfest 20, oh, 2012. Yeah, and it's I, one of my favorite. I couldn't. Time. Oh, that's a great pick. That is one. Of, that's a great picture. But I. That was a horrible show for me. Like I was I, it. I couldn't play guitar. Like I, I, I forgot I'm how so to. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I well, know. luckily for me, like I think everyone else was too, and they couldn't hear me. Like <laughs> I just could not. I I almost literally forgot how to play guitar at that show. It was a strange oh. experience. Yeah, man, you guys sounded so good though. I was. That that <laughs> is such a curious difference between Fluffy and now Pushroot is that the yeah. the stage fright that used to just absolutely ruin me for days on end leading up to a show. It's just kind of gone with push root. Yeah. And I think there's a parallel there. Like that's that's partly because of what I learned at that last Maverick show. Sure. I had a great second set that night, and I, I actually oh, so told good. a told a Hulan narrative about that night. Like mm. it's such a great night. It was. Between that night and um also I think just turning fifty, a couple of switches got flipped for me, and one of those switches was I'm just not going to care a whole lot anymore about a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I I just kinda don't care. And one of the things I just kind of don't care about is what anyone thinks of my musicianship. Like, I don't, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for yeah. me. I play to amaze myself. It still happens. And, and Pushroot is, is a great vehicle for that. Like, it's so curious. We're not coming up with these super elaborate chords, but the way that, that Joe constructs progressions that are a little squirrely. Oh, yeah. A little weird, right? Yeah. It's, it's all major minor stuff, but it's it's in this really kind of interesting way. Yeah. Um, which means, though, that it's it's pretty easy to fit in there as a keyboardist, as a guitarist. I I want to sing more in push root. It's just yeah. like we haven't we haven't practiced. Like we need <laughs> to like, play except more. Except for that one song where we're both like, "What are we supposed to do?" Yeah, doing? what are we doing? I mean, it's a great vehicle for me because I'm still a very new bass player. Yeah. But like one of my favorite things is to look across the way at you, and he always gives me a little wink. <laughs> cute. Very cute. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, I'm gonna be all right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I love playing with you guys. It's so and, fun. And, and we're generational, too, which is also fun. Multi-generational, yeah, yeah. which is a little... Because Damien's un- our youngest. Damien, yeah. Uncomfortable, yeah. Shout out to and then, Damien. And then me. Shout out to Damien. And then Joe, Damien's and then great. you. Yeah, 40 decades. Also, four Joe's decades. like, you are so lucky that this is the band that you're starting to play with, because he's like, you not only get to play with, like, Paul, but you also get to play with a really good drummer. Yeah. yeah and Damien, that is, yeah, that really is good. not that usually what happens in your first band. Like, <laughs> Everybody's people, still like, like this, kind of. Like, also, people usually don't wait until their 30s to learn a new instrument, right? right? And yeah, they yeah, jump yeah. into a 
fucking band. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. I let it marinate for a while. Yeah, and here <laughs> you are, right? And here I am. Playing playing great bass. Thank you. It's so fun. It is. I wish we played more. I wish I had more time in my life. I look forward. I I know. I can't wait. You're gonna graduate, and then we'll. I am. Then we'll play. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any other questions? What do you got? What are some of your favorite soul artists? Favorite soul artists? Or oh, funk. dang. Oh, dang. Funk's cool, too. Here we go. I think they count as soul. Our our family band that we just kind of listen to a lot is Lake Street Dive. Uh, um, yeah. But we all, Catherine also listens to The Dip all the time. I love The Dip. The Dip is great. Word, right? Um, I still pretty frequently will go back and listen to James Brown. Yeah. Um, Maceo Parker has this album called Life on Planet Groove that there's a song on that called Shake Everything You Got, which Fluffy took a nibble at and we we're like, maybe Maybe not so much. Maybe not so much on this one. We don't <laughs> no. How about how about you no? Know, how about Scott? no, you crazy Dutch bastard? <laughs> right. How about you no? Know? <laughs> I one of my most favorite things in the world is to go down a YouTube rabbit hole or like an Amazon music rabbit hole or whatever and just kind of discover new new stuff, right? Yeah. And like Old new artists or new old artists, whatever, yeah. whichever one it would be. So just discover these these old dusty gems. Right. right. Yeah. Totally. Favorite thing in the world. Do you have a favorite soul artist? Who's your favorite soul artist? Oh man, I think of soul in the way of thinking like like in a way like it's all kind of yeah hip hop to yeah, me absolutely. like and the pretty like Dilla. The old Kanye, Ninth Wonder, those dudes are all sampling like the soul stuff. Yeah. Bloodstone, I love, I love, um, I mean, Marvin Gaye. Yes. I love, uh, Otis. Shit. Otis, um, Luther Vandross. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. Bloodstone, I really, Bloodstone might be my favorite. I really, really dig. Okay. One more question for me, also about music. Yeah. As a musician and somebody who likes music in a Landerite, what is your take on the direction in the Lander music scene now? Some of the artists. Yeah. And where it's headed. Remarkably, or or maybe not so remarkably, I, I'm almost not qualified to answer that. Mm. Like, I, I just don't get out enough right now to, to go and, and listen to the stuff that's going on. I'll say that I think Christian Wallowing Bull is, is so good. intriguing, right? Just yeah. an absolute, absolutely intriguing artist. I, yeah, I, I don't get out enough, and I, I don't go experience this stuff. I'll say that anything that Sean touches, I love. Any, anything that dude touches is, is just gold. Anything that Robbie touches is gold. I still have pipe dreams of, like, some some Lander supergroup yeah. with, like, rotating members. I don't, I don't know. I think Lander's kind of in a music lull at this moment. Mm. I, yeah. Like, yeah. I, and I mean, like, I also don't get out a ton, but I can't say that, like, unless... I mean, I'm missing shows that are just not being advertised. Right. Like, I would say we are not as music-rich concert-wise as we have been in the past. In terms of local musicians, absolutely. Yeah, I like, think that has like to do with out, like, venue, for one thing. Yeah. But, like, I, I do wish we had a, maybe a slightly better venue. And, and yeah. don't get me wrong, like, the nights that we played at the Lander Bar so were, were some of the most fun nights of my life. Yeah. Right? But it's not... A super great spot, right? Both as a musician and as a as an audience member. It's yeah. just not a perfect and spot. It's not yeah. a venue, venue it's that you can no. go to year no. round. Yeah. Where it's I mean, like, no. You know. Yeah, but and meanwhile, know, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I know we have really good musicians here, right? right. I mean, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. I know that Lander is a music town. Yeah. But I wouldn't say we're getting music. Right. Okay. My <clears throat> my last question. Yeah. And like the question I ask everybody. Yeah. What's your favorite Lander smell? Who boy. I absolutely love round about mid-January when it's about 15 and a half below and I step out of my car at night. It's usually not in the morning, but I'll step out of my car at night or like, I don't, I don't take a walk, but what? anyway, maybe I get home from the bar, whatever it is, right? And I smell like a wood stove. Mm. Wood stove in the dead of winter. There's something super lander about that. There's something super lander, obviously about fireworks. Like, I smell a firework, and I'm like, oh. Lander. Hey, Lander. Um, the Gannett Grill always kind of smells the same. The years onions, upon man. years of... They do onion rings right down there. Yeah, like, they, do. they, they get it right. Mm-hmm. I, I do love walking into the into the Gannett Grill. Mid-May, up in our neighborhood, over in the Black Edition, up on the hill, um, 
so we're on cliff, but then we'll walk up McDougal when the lilacs come out. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. not a specific lander, but obviously the the lilacs, right? You've got a roster of smells. This is great. I know. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can keep going. And I also <laughs> yeah. would argue that they are very specific lander smells because you're yeah. pinpointing the times when it's happening in lander. What else do I got? The smell is... The smell of a cell phone. (laughs) (laughs) With a smelly freshman. It's Paul's favorite smell. (sighs) Smell of the ticky-tockies. That smells like snap Wouldn't that be weird if you could send a smell through Snapchat? Yeah, Um, sure would. Joe would send me a lot of farts. I bet he would. Sounds like I would be airdropping farts. <laughs> oh, wow, like to everybody, bro. I would like, be, be airdropping person radio, like <laughs> My dog farted next to Jordan last night. Sure. It was it fantastic. Was yeah. Stinky. It was so potent. It was <laughs> knocked down for so a little tired. for a little pup. <laughs> yeah. She's got some bangers, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Wonderful. Thanks for Ashtrays at uh at the Maverick. Right? Do they still do they still have smoking there? I think so. That's a good okay. question. I will say that I want to. I want to go smoke a pipe at the Maverick. Like I, I, I smoke a pipe. I also smoke cigars. Hey, you two! This has been an absolute pleasure. This has been Thanks really for fun. Being here. It's been a. It's like a dream come true. It's Lander famous. This and having my name on the on the Dairyland sign, which happened a couple years ago for my birthday. Yeah, it it's did. like sweet Lander famous. <laughs> well, you're on the list from the yeah. get go. All right, you're on the list. It's All right, there are so many people you. in Lander you should talk to. We'll send and suggestions. And it's been it's yeah. been a pleasure to talk to you. And for all of our listeners, you are always welcome to send us suggestions. Yeah, we want to talk to everyone. Appreciate it. We would love that. This is Jordan. This is Amaro. This is Gail Lander. It's good to be back. Love you, bye. Peace out.